what I love about this story, though, too, is that you could have easily just decided at that same moment, like, oh, my God, all these people are in here and they all have samples in their bag, too. I, I was like, you didn't like, like, you're just like, nope, I, I got this on lock. So I was like, like, "Hmm." I did. I really thought like, I've got this on lock. I like, I got And like the reality is you didn't, you don't know, like to this day, you you don't know. And plenty of those people in that room could have had samples, but it was like, you had the guts and the gumption to just be like, well, F it. I, you know, like I got this I'm going for it. Either that or just like complete ignorance, you know, like, and I think that helps me sometimes is that like the, when you don't know, I think it helps you. <laughs> so it's you almost I mean? like, it's almost like don't do as much, don't research something to death to the point where you're so scared to do it. Right. Like if you know everything, like if I knew every technicality of art, I would probably not do it. I would probably put everything down and be like, well, this sucks. It's not perfect. You're listening to the Brand Spanking You podcast. My name is Sarah Ehlinger, former creative director and strategist for multi-million and billion dollar brands turned entrepreneur. After spending over a decade building my own freelance and online businesses, I know that creating a brand around yourself is a heck of a lot different than building one for the big companies. It requires diving deep into your mindset, going beyond generic tips and strategies, and throwing out the script in order to do things your way. Are you ready to get into it? Let's go. Hello, welcome back to the show. I am so, so thrilled that you are here again, listening So today I am bringing you a really great interview with one of my closest friends. Her name is Barry Ackerman. Uh, Before we get into the interview, though, I want to catch you up on just a few things going on in case you are interested. So the first thing that I wanted to let you know about is that for the first time in probably... It's probably been two years, at least two years. I am opening my creative studio up again to one-on-one creative work. So what that means is that I am bringing back my studio services, photography, branding, web design, brand strategy. And that means if that's something that you have been wanting to work with me one-on-one, Now is your chance. Now, this is probably not for everybody. If you're just starting out, just kind of figuring out um, what's going on in your business, you might want to start out with one of my Brand Spark sessions. Those are a great place to start. Those are also great for people who have been in business for a while, too, um, because you get like a whole blueprint at the end of, you know, some action steps that you can take. But the creative services studio in particular is for people who are really ready to step into that next level in their business and they're ready to invest in the aesthetics of their business, the strategy and aesthetics of their business in a way that they haven't before. So if you're at that point where you're just like, I am playing 
in a whole different realm now. And I really do need to officially get my brand strategy, brand identity established. I need a new website that really works really well for me. I need really great photography for my brand. You're going to want to hit me up. So go ahead and just either send me an email. It's hello at bbrandsbankingyou.com or just send me a DM and we will start chatting and um, we can chat about if this is something that would be right for your brand and your business or not. Totally no pressure. Anytime you reach out and want to chat to me, chat with me about this because I just really want to make sure the right people are signing up for creative services and that they're not investing before they need to because I'm also a big advocate of that too. It's why I have a template shop. It's why I sell stock photos because I don't think you need to invest in those things before you are ready. Okay. So today's show, it's a little bit, I'm going to give you a heads up, it's a little bit of a rambly conversation. We cover a lot of different topics. We ramble a little bit, um, but it's a really, really good, really, really juicy conversation. There's so many great nuggets in there. So if you are up for going on a little bit of a an adventure through our conversation You're going to want to stick around right here and listen to this conversation between me and Barry. So who is Barry? Barry is an artist, an author, a designer, a home decor expert, and the founder of the floral-filled Barry Jade lifestyle brand. Her popular product collections feature her celebrated signature floral style and are instantly recognizable on furniture, rugs, fabric, wallpaper, bedding, and more. Recently, she has been featured in House Beautiful, HGTV Magazine, thetodayshow.com, Better Homes and Garden, House and Home, Phoenix Home and Garden, Architectural Digest Italia, and many, many more. Barry's fabrics have been repeatedly featured on the hit Netflix series Grace and Frankie and worn by the one and only icon Jane Fonda. Her most recent book, Bloom Wild, is on the book authority list of 100 best interior design books. So I want to get in on that. Without further ado, here is my interview with Barry J. Ackerman. Barry, hello. Here, here we are. So, so listeners, you must know that Barry and I are good friends. We, we go back. Gosh, back several now. years now. I don't know. We met really officially. We met at Surtex. So when was that? I don't remember. 2015, I went to Surtex. Wow. Okay. So it's it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm noticing that my first few um, episodes for this podcast really are conversations with my biz besties. That's good. Which I'm not mad at. Uh-uh. I don't think you should be. No. Okay. So for our listeners, I'm super excited to talk to you for a variety of reasons. But for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your, just like how, how you got, how you got to where you're at? Like, what has your journey okay. been? How did you be, how did you get in business? How did you become an entrepreneur? Just, you know, the high, the high points, low points, whatever you feel like sharing. 
Okay. So I think one of the things that I don't say often enough is probably that Kevin, uh, my husband, had been pressuring me to get a job when the kids were little. And I really oh, I, I never heard that story. I've never, I've never, I've never told, said that before. So one of the things was he had been pressuring me to get a job and I had been fired from a job in advertising and then had another job in advertising that was like seven or eight months um, before I got pregnant and then quit. And so, so it was like, I really like had probably a lot of trepidation about working for somebody else. And so I was kind of just trying everything to not get like, what can I do to not have to get a normal job? And I really didn't want to leave the kids with anyone else. Yeah. So now by that time we had two kids and we were in California and I did not, I did not want to go work for somebody else. I did not want to have somebody else taking my kids to school and seeing them when they got home. And I really did not want to have a job job. Yeah. I mean, I love this. And you were like way ahead of your time because that was what, 20 years ago? It was 2004. Yep. You know, I mean, that was now women are doing that now going like, oh, I can, I don't have to do this. I don't have to choose. I can have a a little bit of the best of both worlds, but you were like, you were thinking about it way before everybody else. So I had started back then, those like 2002, I was making jewelry and collage art and um, selling it to local boutiques. And then I was making handbags and I did, the handbags was, was kind of accidental that I started selling them was just because I loved making them and I just eventually got, they got nice. And then I started selling them the same mm-hmm. way I was selling jewelry and, and but I, I love your story about the handbags though, because if it weren't for the handbags, you would not have become yeah. a fabric yeah. designer. So yeah. tell and us about I, that. Like I said, I had been in the advertising. Um, so I, I was at a, this was the job that I got fired from. Um, I still like don't understand the reason of why I got fired. It was an all, <laughs> it was a real estate company, and it was all women in the um, department. And one of the women like really had it out for me. I don't, I very, very honestly do not know why I got fired. Um, but at any rate, they, I mean, the excuse was that I was five minute late one time. So all right. maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I, she did you a favor. Did me, she did do me a favor. Anyways. So I was in advertising, but by default, because I was at this real estate company, I was learning graphic design. And because nobody else in the department had any graphic design, so I was learning Cork Express and Photoshop and all Oh, my God, Cork. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I was learning graphic design, but in this like kind of back way. So that I should give you like preface to the handbags. So I start making the handbags, start selling the handbags. Etsy opens and the market suddenly flooded with fabric handbags, handmade fabric handbags. And I was like, well, how do I differentiate myself? Oh, I know. I'll design my own fabric, having no bloody idea what, how to design fabric. Yeah. But this is, this is the number one reason why, and like there, you have so many examples of this. This is the number one reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you something pops up into your head and you're like, I know, I'll just design my own fabric. <laughs> and like my, this is pre-spoon flower people, yes, like way pre-spoon flower. Spoon flower. And you're like, I'll just do that. 
Although like, Stoneflower opened in the in the process, they were in bed. Yeah, but like like that was at that time. That was a huge <laughs> mountain to climb, and you're like, I'll just do that. Yeah, I was I'll like, just figure I out how to do that fabric. And I knew people that designed fabric, so there was at least that. Like, I was like, well, other people designed fabric, so why not me? Design fabric, and I knew. There were a couple of people that I knew they weren't artists, but they designed fabric. So I was like, well, how does that work? So I thought like, I'm going to have to do reproduction fabric, you know? So it was all like maybe graphic design work that got me to the fabric designs, right? So it would maybe be things that were in, um, in uh, public domain and I would be reworking those kinds of things. And I yeah. knew people that did that. Yeah. So so I was like, okay, maybe that's what I'm going to do. But I got a little Wacom bamboo, which is like your very, very starter. Yeah, it's a ba- it's a baby tablet. It's a tablet to draw on. Like it was, I think it was $99.99. Yeah. I don't think people would even buy those anymore. I think now it'd just be like, yeah. oh, now I have my iPad Pro. No, no, you would not buy that anymore. In fact, they were, it was slippery and it was very hard to draw on it. But nonetheless, I was drawing on it into Photoshop. And the more I did it, the more I was like, hey, that like looks like the thing I'm trying to make. And I was doing all flowers because I just I just love always loved flowers. So I just would draw flowers and flowers and flowers. And my first collection that I finally came up with about a year into this like practicing um, and figuring out how to make repeats and all that kind of stuff was um, was full bloom. And it was the one that I ended up licensing. But the licensing story is kind of a, one of those like jump in jump in and drown or swim too. Cause I went to what is called, um, quilt market, which is really a lifestyle fabric trade show. And I didn't have any appointments. I didn't have a booth. I just was going to go talk to art directors that were there selling their wares to the public. Okay. So wait, like, ba- like back up a minute because <laughs> I've, I did this. I went to quilt market for listeners to like pitch designs to get licensed onto fabric, but like I went, I went to it because like you were there, you were there as part like the company you're with. I knew a couple other people. I like set up some appointments, but you're just like, I'm just going to show up at this thing. I have no plan. I have no appointments. I have nothing like. I knew nobody. So to go. I didn't know how to make an appointment or who to call or like anything. I'll just go. I'll just go. I'll go to the booth and I'll ask for the art director. I mean, I knew that much like to ask for the art director, right? Or whoever was making the decisions on um, on uh, fabric, you know, on, on designers. So, <laughs> so, but I went and I happened across a. Um, they do this thing called schoolhouse, and it's in the beginning before the floor opens. And someone was doing this really amazing, well attended schoolhouse where they they talk to people about um, you know their products and. That's that's the kind of thing that was supposed to be going on in schoolhouse. But this schoolhouse was like there were people like like in the back standing room only and coming out the door. And so I didn't know what it was called. So I wandered in and it happened to be so you want to be a fabric designer. And there's like hundreds of people in this room. And I'm thinking now I have to back up because Spoonflower did open and they were in beta testing, got in on beta testing at this point and had some stuff printed and had it in my bag and like made things out of it. So I had like this collection that I really made things from and I knew what I wanted people to sew from it. And I'm literally holding a bag that's made from the fabric. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, 
there's no one in this room that has a bag full of their designs that are made into samples. There's no way. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm, I'm, I, I got it in my head that I was ahead of the game. And so I went up to the person that um, was teaching the class um, afterward. And I just, you know, said, here's my card. I'd love to meet with you tomorrow. And that was the company that I ended up going with. Right. I love that. And what I love about this story, though, too, is that you could have easily just decided at that same moment, like, oh, my God, all these people are in here and they all have samples in their bag, too. I, I was but like, you didn't like, like, you're just like, nope, I, I got this on lock. So I was like, I, was like hmm. I did. I really thought like, I've got this on lock. I like, I got and it. like the reality is you didn't, you don't know, like to this no, day, I, I you, no you don't I know. And plenty of those people in that room could have had samples, but it was like, you had the guts and the gumption to just be like, well, F it. I, you know, like I got this, I'm going for it. Either that or just like complete ignorance, you know, like, and I think that helps me sometimes is that like, when you don't know, I think it helps you. (laughs) So it's almost like, it's almost like don't do as much, don't research something to death to the point where you're so scared to do it. Right. Like if you know everything, like if I knew every technicality of art, I would probably not do it. I would probably put everything down and be like, well, this sucks. It's not perfect. Right. But like, so another place where you did this in your career is when your book came out, like when Mm -hmm. you did your book. Mm -hmm. So um, for those of you listening, Barry has uh, an interiors book that came out um, in 2020. Beautiful book. If I don't say so myself. <laughs> so I, 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 I helped on it. Um, but I remember when you were like, yeah, I'm going to do a book. And I was like, what? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, and I you, and you were happening. just, you were just convinced. And like, in my head, I'm, I'm like, oh, there's so much that has to go into that. And, but you were just like, no, I'm going to do this. And I have learned now over the years that when, Barry J says that she is going to do something like it's just it like it just happens. So like well, what tell us about your thought process for that. Well, first, you know, I did do the sewing book and Oh, that's right. So and that was weird because I got back from that very first quilt market and had in my inbox because I had been blogging and sewing and blogging and blogging. Um do you want to do a sewing book? And so I did this sewing book, which was moderately successful. So I did have that under my belt, and it, but it was with, you know, a company that did sewing books. It wasn't with like a mainstream publisher, but I knew for this book, I wanted a mainstream publisher and I wanted a decor book, you know, that you stuck on your coffee table kind of thing. Right. Yes. So my thought process was, well, you have all of these different kinds of licenses. You have a rug license. You have bedding that's coming out. You have fabric license. You have all these different things going on. You can, and you're, you decorated your house. Yeah. And for those of you listening who aren't familiar with what, what Barry's, what she's talking about is that after she went on to get her art licensed onto fabric, she also went on to get her art licensed onto many different products. So that's what she means when she has that. So she is working with manufacturers to put her artwork on these different products. Right. 
So, so, and I was really, really focused on, on home decor and I only wanted, I mean, not, I don't only want my, my art on home decor products, but I mainly want my art on home decor products because mm -hmm. I, that's where my real, like, I mean, I, I would say I probably started sewing in the first place because I wanted to make curtains and I wanted to make things. Yeah. You love it. You love home decor. I just love home decor. So it was always about that. And so the, to me, I was like, well, I have all these products and I can show them in a way. And I also like saw, you know, like for instance, Amy Butler had that book Midwest, Midwest Modern. Yeah. It was all about her products in these settings and these things. And I was like, well, I can do that. I yeah. have all these products. I loved that book. I love that book too. And I, I loved her words in that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, well, I have like a, a lifestyle thing going. I can do this. And yeah, and so I did. And I well, I got I got an agent. I got a book agent this time. Before before I didn't have a book agent, somebody had approached me and I, I thought you're gonna do a book. I highly, 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 highly recommend you get an agent. You will get much more money and better publisher and a way better deal. Right. But talk to me about because we're making it sound like you're like, oh, I just decide to do something and then I do it and it's all sunshine and rainbows and everything's yeah. great. But like, I know, cause I know you personally, like I know you struggle with yeah. mindset stuff just the same as the rest of us. So like what yeah. kind of, when you're tackling something that huge where you're like, I'm going to do this book, like what kind of stuff comes up for you? And then how do you kind of work would, through that? I would say that there were points in the the book proposal process. Now you got to remember, so it took almost two years for me to get the, from the time I said, I'm going to get this contract to the time I got the contract it was almost two years. And I would say there were points in there that I was like, what is this book even about? Like, mm -hmm. what, am, what am I thinking I'm doing? But I kept telling myself, and I do this all with everything, is if someone else can do it, so can I. Because I really, truly believe that there's not much in life that isn't practice, that isn't just, you know, getting, jumping in and doing it. Mm -hmm. Or there's not like, there's not that much that sets us all apart. Like, right. it's not like, right. you're not that much more special than me. You just figured out how to do it. That's what, yeah, I would look at other people and I'd be like, well, they're not that much more special. They just figured it out. Or, you know, sometimes I would look at somebody and be like, oh, well, their husband's a photographer and that's why they're so successful. <laughs> or they're, they have this and that's why they're so, so successful. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I would always like course correct myself when I would hear myself telling myself those things. And I, I still do. I still yeah, do. Because we have those thoughts like every day. Yeah, like every day I have thoughts like that. Oh yeah, and the comparing, like and and the the thing is is to not to never get into the comparing. Because if it once you do, that's like, you know, you can just like start circling the drain real quick. Yeah. How do you catch yourself when you're like getting into that cycle? Do you have certain things that you sometimes do I that just you just let myself? Like sometimes I'll just let myself sulk. Like, oh, I'm gonna, interesting. I'm going to, like, you can have the pity party, but, like, you can have the pity party for 24 hours, and then you got to fuck off and, and do your work. Right. Like, it's almost, like, helpful to just, instead of, like, trying to gaslight yourself or trying to suppress it, be like, 
I'm having these feelings, so I'm just going to go all in, lean into it, let myself feel it, and then be like, okay, enough of that. Yeah, because there is a point where I like, you know, and I suffer from depression, so I can very easily, you've seen it, it happen when I've got off of medication. Sarah's seen it happen, it not cute. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But anyway, so I can easily go like, circle, circle, circle down the drain. I really easily. but I, I do find that if I acknowledge the feeling, let myself have the feeling, and then tell myself, like, you've got 24 hours, and then you got you to move your booty. Yeah, I think that's an awesome way to handle that because, I, I mean, I think everybody struggles with that, like everybody. And it, it keeps a lot of people from mm-hmm. doing the things that they really want to do, the things that they're meant to do because they get stuck in that loop. And yeah. and they and it's equal parts. They get stuck in the loop and then they're also trying to like resist the loop at the same time. And there's something about just being like, oh, I'm just going to acknowledge it because I'm having a human experience and like let it happen. Mm-hmm. and then. Or I'll, I'll, I'll call it like an, I'll call a non-day. Like Kevin made up this term a long time ago, my husband. Oh, I love that. Non-day where like you're not doing anything today. And that means like you're sitting on the couch and you're watching TV and you're eating popcorn and you're hanging out. And mm-hmm. and some, and I used to feel very, very guilty about a non-day, but like I came home from traveling last week and I was like, non-day, I'm, I'm yeah. over this. I think this is super important. I want to talk about it more because I actually do this too. Um, I never called it that. Not, I'm going to call it that from now on, the non-day. I Because I used to have times, actually it happened quite frequently, where I would just, I couldn't get anything done. Like I would just almost be like frozen. And then I would spend a ton of time beating myself up over and over and over about not getting anything done and then feeling guilty if I did something like I remember looking back on my journals at one point and I was like berating myself because I went out into the garden and was like harvesting some stuff from the garden when I should have been working on my business. Right. You know what I think is so funny about that is you got something from from harvesting in the garden. There was something you learned or something you felt. Right. Right. And happened. And- and through actually through a coach that I worked with, she pointed out to me, I've had a couple of different coaches point this out to me that like, that's an important part of my business is giving myself a lot of free time to explore and indulge in other creative pursuits or other things where I'm using my hands and I'm doing because that's when I get the really good juicy ideas. And now when I'm having a day, we're just like, I'm just like spinning my wheels. I'm better about instead of just forcing myself through it, I'm better about just being like, no, it's it's not happening today. And if mm-hmm. I give myself the permission to actually just be like, nothing's happening today, I'm recharging instead of sitting on the couch and feeling guilty about binging Bridgerton, <laughs> I can sit on the couch. I can sit on the couch and do it joyfully. And then the next day I show up and I'm like recharged and ready to go in a way that I wouldn't if I had done that full of guilt. Right. Enjoy it. I love the non-day. I think it's super, super important. I don't think enough people talk about that where it's like, it's not always the best use of your time to just sit and wallow and try to 
like muscle through it and like mentally berate yourself. Like you're actually creating more exhaustion and more stress for yourself and getting less done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You're going to, if you, if you sit around try like trying not to wall like like wallow for the minute <laughs> you know like but if you just try not to it just I think it makes everything worse it makes it last longer too That's oh yeah I've found like way longer I think it gets in your psyche like it just like sticks in there because you haven't dealt with it so like then you're walking around like uh like but but it's like back here in the back of your head yeah and I also think like if you're a high achiever I think both of us are high achiever. I think anybody listening to this is probably a high achiever. It's It gets stuck in there even more because you feel like there's something wrong with you. Like, why mm-hmm. can't I get my shit together? Yeah, why <laughs> to- am I such a loser? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the things I say to myself, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's also important for people to hear that like someone at your level who's had as much success as you've had still every day wrestles with these same thoughts. Like it doesn't go away. No, no. Like there's, there's some other goal that I'm like, why didn't I get to do that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you also about um, social media because mm. you have really used, I am not a social media person. Um, and I get clients that ask me about social media and I'm like, I'm not your girl. Um, <laughs> but you have used social media, in particular Instagram, to grow your business. And I think one of the reasons why you've been so successful is because you really show yourself. You know, you really have built, it's not just about your products or your fabric or your artwork. You really give a look at who you are in building that personal brand. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that and how that, like, how does that work for you? Do you have certain boundaries? Are there certain things that you share or you don't share or? I, um, I, okay, a couple things. There's a couple, the things that I don't share are definitely like anything about my family or friends that, you know, like if I'm going through something with a family member, I'm not going to share that. Um, in, in general, like that's our, you know, our business, um, if it has to do anything with anybody else and not just myself. Um, I don't share that, but I often share, you know, like if I'm feeling blue, I'll share that sometimes. Um, if I, you know, I'm just stuck, I'll share that. Um, I, I share like I'm, I'm there without makeup and hair done all, more, more often than with makeup and hair done. Um, I just kind of like go with the flow with that. So yeah, you're really good at that. Like I look at that and I'm like, I don't know if I could show up that way. Yeah. And I look at, and I look at other people with makeup on and I'm like, how do they have their shit together? So right. like, I have no idea how to do that all the time. Right. But so well, what I love about that is that there's not one way to do it. Yeah. And then like, if you're comfortable with it, I mean, show I up that way. I'm comfortable to a point, but there's also like, I mean, I have, and you know, you know, this is that I have the, you know, the body image issues big time. And so that that's always hard for me. Like if I, if I'm not showing up, it probably is because I'm, I'm having a body image issue. 
Yeah, but one thing I have to say about you, so um, I'm glad you brought this up because this is never something I would, you know, bring up. But one thing I've always admired about you is that you do have these issues, but you don't let it stop you. I I do and I don't. I mean, I think there 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 are things that I like sometimes like won't post because I'm like, <laughs> but no. I think that's fine. I, I mean, everybody does that. But what I'm saying is like, I've seen other people who are just like, they don't show up at all. Yeah. Like they're just like, no, I'm not doing it. And you're like, I'm, you do it even though you're uncomfortable with it. Yeah. You still do it. I mean, I see other people who, who, you know, that are very, very successful on TV that are, you know, they're larger women. And I'm I'm not by any means like a huge woman, but I um I definitely like sometimes feel like I am. So I but I see other people showing up and I'm like, no, that's it. <laughs> that's the same thing as like as what I always tell myself, well if somebody else can, so can you. Right. So it goes back to that same thing. If if somebody else So can't. you're using other people to inspire you to do it, which I would add is probably a beautiful circle because then you showing up and doing that is like especially showing up with like no makeup on. Like I look at that and I'm like, "Oh, I could do that too." Yeah. Like I like I could show up in my workout clothes and just like talk and it's fine. Like the world is not going to burn down. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> so like you're inspiring other people in that way too. I look at other people who have the full face of makeup on and I'm like, man, how did you get that done? And like you're raising a toddler and you're doing all that kind of other stuff. So I just kind of like gave up. I was like, well, fine. I just, I can't. Like I don't know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. I'm more of like a split the difference type of person. Cause I'm like every day I'm like, well, if I got my uh, tinted moisturizer on and a little bit of mascara like I'm good I keep a keep a lipstick next to me and like that's that's my full face (laughs) like I literally I literally did do my makeup today with the intent of being on social media but I haven't been on yet but I will because I have mascara on yeah you don't want to waste that no no one waste this day (laughs) you don't want to waste that so beyond the like if someone else can do it I can do it too if you had any advice for people who feel like they want to take on something bigger, like they want to mm-hmm. take on a bigger role or they want to take on a bigger goal or a bigger project or do something different in their business, what kind of advice would you give them? Is there any advice beyond just like, well, which is actually pretty big advice that like if someone else can do it, I can do it to you. But like, is there anything else that goes into that process for you? I would say stop waiting on, on being perfect. Um, yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge one. Like that's something that I've been working on for the past couple of years and it makes, oh my God, it makes such a huge difference. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, that's something that I've worked on because of you, because, because I've seen you, going after things and being like, it doesn't have to be perfect. I just have to take action on it. Because if Mm -hmm. I don't take action on it now, I'm not going to. Like I like strike while the iron's hot. And you know me, you've known me for years. There's been plenty of things where I'm like, I don't know, it's not perfect yet or it's not this or the timing's not right or da-da-da-da. And then I'd watch you just be like, I'll just do it. 
I'm like, how does she do that? You know? And so that was inspiring to me to work through some of those perfectionism issues because I was seeing you achieve really big thing after really big thing. And see recognizing in myself that it was only me holding me back from that so like I think that's a huge one but what like how do you even how do you even start to say to people like don't wait for things to be perfect like how do you how do you get people to the point where they're okay with like I always say like it's okay b and b plus work is okay good enough I think I think there are people who are truly truly born like perfectionists and it's very, very hard for them to get through it. I've seen it with my daughter, Anna, has a really hard time getting through the perfectionism thing. Um, I I just like repeat myself so many times. And I actually have seen her start to do the things that she's not perfect at, um, which is great. And, and it's really, it's something that it's something to see, but you have, it's practicing it. It's like, it's like putting your like bravest brave on and just going out there and doing the thing that's not perfect. I mean, right. if, if you look at my art at the very beginning, oh, Lord. But I yeah. put it out there. But I put it out there because, like, at the time I was like, well, it feels good to me, like, that I'm doing this thing that is not perfect, but it looks pretty good. And, like, I'm getting yeah. something. And this is really cool. And so I, I felt like sharing that in the beginning. And I also didn't know how unperfect it was. Like, I mean, I knew it wasn't awesome. I knew it wasn't the best thing in the entire world, but I also didn't think it was the worst. Yeah. You kind of don't know until you get through it and you do it. I I was looking back on some of my uh, food photography recently and I was like, ooh, cringe city, cringe city. But like at the time, I was getting good feedback on it. I knew I wasn't the best. I knew I wasn't the best, but I was putting it out, out there anyhow. Um, but the only way you get better is you can do it, doing it. You have to do it and you have to do it like over and over and over. That's like the only way you get better at it. And you know what? Social media is a really great, I mean, it could be brutal sometimes. And TikTok is in particular, extremely brutal. Like, I don't think I'd put anything that wasn't pretty damn good on there because people are so freaking mean on there. (laughs) (laughs) But Instagram, like you... The, the community that I've built on Instagram, I pretty much know they're going to say something that's encouraging. There's not too many times I get like not encouraging comments. Right, right. And of course, you know, I hold on to the ones that are not encouraging and I right, we all do them. But, but nonetheless, people will encourage you if you put your work out there. Um, they really will. Most people are really excited to see it. Well, and part of that process is, and this is something that I love talking about too, is applying that creative process to business. So like you, you're an artist. And so you and I both know that like the creative process is super messy, like Mm -hmm. super, super messy. Like you kind of have this vision, like I kind of, I have this vision, like I want like it to be sort of like this, (laughs) this is what I'm creating, but you never know a hundred percent until you're like, there and it almost never matches up with your exact vision. Like a lot of times it actually comes out better, but like there's always this point in the middle where you're like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> what have I done? Like this is like a disaster. What's happening? Oh my God. Yeah. But like you don't throw it out. I always say paint, paint through the ugly. 
And I think that applies applies to like almost every creative process. Like there's this ugly, ugly ass point in every painting. And sometimes it's like three strokes from being not ugly. Yeah. And you don't know unless you like paint through that ugly. But see, Mm -hmm. I feel like the same thing happens with a lot of business owners, but they don't, they're not as well versed in what that creative process feels like. And so they're just like, oh, this isn't working. So throw it out, you know, and they're like, you have to go through that like ugly phase. Yeah. Yeah. I totally love that. And it just all takes time too. And you have to be patient. You have to be so, so patient with, with building the thing that you want to build. And sometimes like you think it's going to happen much faster than it's going to. I I remember like the book in particular thinking like, I'm going to have a contract within four months, (laughs) you know? And that took two years. It took two years. And then how much time did it take from getting the contract to getting the book out? Like that was another two years, wasn't it? It was another two years. So yeah, it was a total of like four years. Yeah. And even that project, like you go into it thinking like, oh, this is what it's going to be like to do a book. And obviously like afterwards, you and I debriefed and we were like, whoa, there is so (laughs) much that we would do differently the next time, right? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we would do differently, yes. But you wouldn't know that unless you did it. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't know it unless you did it. And now... I, would, I certainly would not try to do a photo shoot for an entire book in a week. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's, so- <laughs> that's what that's what Barry did. Actually, it was four days. It was, yeah, it was... No, it wasn't, wasn't it five? It was four days. Oh, holy fucking shit. Yeah, because I was like, I don't know that this is a good idea. <laughs> and you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. We can do it. There was some okay. stuff that I reshot on my own because it just absolutely had to be reshot. But in the end, it worked out and the book's darn pretty. <laughs> so. but, and that's the thing, too, that people need to understand is like, that's part of the scrappiness that goes into it. Right. You I mean, just, I like, told- and the thing is, you get into that situation, like you get into the situation where you're like, one day in, you're going, this is not enough time to do this. And so what do you do? You figure out how to make it work. Yeah. You Tim I mean, gun it. And <laughs> had we not finished all the shots with Carly, I would have just supplemented. I would, t- I can take those shots. Mm-hmm. It was just, I, you know, I wanted somebody with more experience than I had, but I could, right. a lot of them I could take. Right. Right. So you just or, figure out oh how to. Oh my gosh, the style, like having the two of you there doing the styling and how, like not working in a vacuum. Yeah. If I were to do it myself, it would have been hell. I feel like also you went through such, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but I feel like through the process of doing that book, you went through such a massive up level. Mm-hmm. Like a mm-hmm. massive up level. And there was like a change in your work after that. Um, what was that like for you? Humbling. Oh, humbling. Why? Humbling because, and I almost get teary saying it because I thought like, I am good. Like I can do this. Like I can do this styling thing. I almost thought like I could do that on my own. But then seeing people who were really, really pros at styling and putting the book together for photos because I could see it in my mind's eye and yeah. I can see what's in front of me looks good, but I wasn't necessarily versed in what looks good in on the on the in the photo. 
Yeah, because it's different. I think people don't understand sometimes that like what they're looking at in the photo, if you were to see that in real life, it just sometimes yeah. it looks crazy in real it life. Weirdly, it weirdly almost hurt my feelings that mm. I re- realizing that I wasn't as good at it as I thought I was. And then also going, okay, but, but look what you learned watching them do this. And it just was like, and yeah, there was like this huge sort of metamorphosis of what I was doing with interiors after that, what I was doing with photos after that. Um, Just, it it was huge. I feel like it showed you or like you recognized, how should I say this? You had this moment. I love that you, you used the word humbling. It's like you had this moment where you felt humbled. And then instead of crawling back into your cave, you looked at that and you used it as an opportunity to like, not just up level a little bit, but you just like skipped over like 10 steps, (laughs) you know? And you were like, you're like, okay, I see that there's like another level that I could be playing at and I'm going to play at that level now. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I think, yeah, it was like, there's another level. I can be a pro at this. And I, and I don't have, it doesn't, what is the word I want to use? It, I feel like there was kind of like this homemade feel about what, it's probably not the right word, but this about what my work was looking like before that. Like, it was like. Not as like more. Well, I mean, it could be. Would you say it was more like catering to the because this is the world you came from catering to the DIY quilter world? Yes. And instead, you were entering a world where you were like wanting to be speaking to people from like, like higher end design world. Yeah. Just like two different vocabularies. It is. It is. And and also and my brain made that skip watching you guys. And so that was that was really, really interesting thing about that. Well, and that's also why I love collaboration, though, because I learned my skills. I was doing what I was doing because I had watched and learned from other people. Right. And you know what I remembered at that time was when I was in advertising at an actual advertising agency, not the real estate agency in the advertising department. But an actual advertising agency was the best times about being in advertising was when we were all sitting in a room together just throwing out ideas. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. I miss those days. That's one of the only things I miss from from agency world. Absolutely. The only thing I miss about being. Yeah. It's like there's so it's like you can feel the sparking energy and the buzz in the room because it's like so many creative brains just like firing and. But like, you off could of each never other. get to that end point without all those brains. Like, so you get to this really awesome end point and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be an awesome campaign. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's what happened on your book though. Yeah. And that is what happened. So while I was humbled, it did. Yeah. Like you said, the growth was just amazing. Because the, the thing is, it's like, and this is why I, I love I love that you did this. I love that you brought in a couple other people to help you with this because in the end, it's not like it wasn't your, it was your vision. You had a very clear vision and very clear idea of what you wanted it to be. 
And instead of being like, oh, I'm going to try to execute this on my own, you were like, I have this vision that's probably slightly out of my reach. Mm-hmm. what I can accomplish on my own. And so you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to have people come in and help me execute this vision. Yep. And then, and it turned out, and that's where I love creative c- collaboration. Like when you can collaborate with other business owners, because then it's not like one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals 10. <laughs> yes. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's why collaboration is like amazing. Yep. And other female business owners in in particular has been really amazing for me. Yeah, 100%. Okay, last question. What does it mean to you to be brand spanking you? This one's hard because I also know a little bit about what what it means to you. Um, But for for me, I think it's about is about the up leveling of your brand. And making it polished and, and I'm not linear, like, but pointed, like targeted at what you want it to be. And, I love it. And the words being fresh and clean and purposeful. I love it. Cause that's, you are all those things oh. in your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love I this. I could so. talk, I could talk to you for five hours as we, we know. We definitely talk for five hours. I love you. I love you too. Hey there. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is to share it with someone else or post about it on Instagram. Be sure to tag me at brand spanking you so I can show you some love. That's at brand spanking you with an N, not an ING. Go to brand spanking you for show notes and links. And if you're ready to take it to the next level, uncover your brand superpower and leave confusion in the dust head on over to brandspankingyoupodcast.com slash spark to learn all about my brand spark sessions. In just 60 minutes, they've been known to completely transform the way people think about their brands and let go of what's not serving them and their businesses. That's brandspankingyoupodcast.com slash spark. All right, that's all for now. This is Sarah Ehlinger, and I'll see you next time.